0: Okay, we're in Romans chapter 10, the middle of the parenthetical 9, 10, and 11 chapters regarding Israel, in the maybe the greatest treatise on the history of the planet, certainly the greatest treatise concerning salvation ever written, unapologetically, I believe that with my whole heart. Three chapters are devoted to Israel. It's about, it's about God, it's about his salvation, it's about what he offers us. And the question comes, well, if God can be trusted, if he's given us certain promises, how do we know he'll keep these promises? What about Israel? And that was kind of addressed last week, and it will continue to be addressed this week. Let's let's pray, and let's ask God's blessing on our time in his word. Father, you've certainly blessed us to this point in the book of Romans, we've Uh, Certainly me, I think I've had understanding far beyond what I've ever understood about this book in the past. Help me communicate that with an uncluttered mind in a way that glorifies you. Lord, speak to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brethren, and now when we read brethren in the New Testament, we're liable to think of Christian, a brother. I don't think he means it here. I think he means Brother Israelites, okay? Which many of them would be Christians. He's writing about Christian church. But also, I think what he's establishing, okay? Because look, look at chapter 9. Look, I say the truth, and, and I'm not lying about this. My conscience is also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I could wish that I were accursed, I were damned, From Christ, for my brethren, uh, who, brethren, what? My kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever, amen. You know, them guys, Abraham and his descendants, I wish I was damned if they would get saved. My brethren, Israel, he's very specific about this. Don't take brethren and make it mean something that he's not making it mean. And here in the chapter 10, the first verse, I think he's saying the same thing. Brethren, Israel, hey, you know, you whose great, great, late, great is Abraham, you people. Listen, I want you to understand. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I'm in your corner. I was in your corner in chapter 9. I'm in your corner in chapter 10. Now, a lot of things he says in chapter 9, you might be thinking, I don't know. Wait a second. Is he on our team or not? And he's, I absolutely am. I absolutely still am. I'm telling you something, and you got to know this. Um, and he hasn't changed his loyalty. He's said, I wish I was damned if Israel could get saved. That's pretty strong words. Uh, we looked at last week, and he said, well, I haven't changed my mind about this yet. In chapter 10, I'm still on on board. I'm still pro-Israel. So am I. So am I. Uh, Some people would take some of these things and try to make them anti-Semitic, but that's ridiculous from the face of it. This is the greatest evangelist the world has ever known, and he's got a zealous heart for his people. And I'm just telling you what he's saying, and of course, I'm no more anti-Semitic than he is. Um, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. By the way, I hope your prayer to Israel is that they might be saved. And I want to bear them record. I'm going to give them their props here. They have a zeal for God that's not according to knowledge. They're very zealous about God, but they're not very knowledgeable about God. They're very, their, their devotion is, they're on fire, but they're a little misguided. Does devotion count? Does zeal count? I think the rules of the game count. <coughs> a guy takes a shot, right buzzer beater right at the end. They're down, his team's down by two, takes the three-pointer, bounces off the rim. But I was zealous. I'm sure he was. But I was devoted to the cause of my team. I'm sure you were, but you didn't make the basket. We can't give you the victory. It doesn't work that way. People in America, for some reason, think that zeal counts. Like God's going to change the rules because I'm zealous. Wait what? I, I, no. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, I, I. Okay, nine eleven. I don't know where you were and what you, how well you remember it. If you're older as I am, or now if you're just a kids, I don't mention a name. Kids. Hey, what, what were you in diapers or something? You're very young. You didn't, You didn't. You didn't know anything at that time. Some of us who have been around, we remember. Don't tell me about the zeal of people who kill themselves to promote their religion, their... Very, very zealous. I think we can all agree on that. Does zeal count? The Bible says no. I'm not doubting, I'm not judging anyone's enthusiasm or their... We're not. When you die for your cause, I'm not saying you're a hypocrite. To zeal, devotion. Because I've, I've, I've. I, why am I on this? And why am I on this? Why am I on this? I've heard this my whole life. Well, they're just as devoted to their God as you are to yours. Um. Yeah, probably so. And they have every right. People will tell me, "Oh, that." that that <laughs> rule 1 in a bill of rights that's that's our first right we've given you you can worship any god you want or no gods and we will die on the battlefield of some foreign country to, to make sure you have that right forever <clears throat> no argument is it enough I bear them record; they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. Is that a a problem? Well, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I've been accused of holier-than-thou behavior in the past. You and me and we all have, right? Because I say I'm righteous. I want us to understand Well, yeah, you're righteous because you're a Calvary Chapel pastor. You're a pastor, so you're righteous. No, no. It has nothing to do with Calvary Chapel. It has nothing to do with being a pastor. Well, you're righteous because you you think you're righteous because you tithe. I'm not righteous because I tithe. I'm not righteous because I treat my wife like like, like the, like (laughs) the best thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus Christ. It doesn't make me righteous. It's not. I'm not righteous because I'm a good dad. I'm not righteous because I go to church every Sunday. I'm not righteous because I pray. I'm not righteous because I read my Bible. You want the list to go on and on and on? I'm righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ only. I haven't tried to establish my own righteousness. Many have. But I'm not, and you're not, of that ilk. We're not the ones who are trying to establish our own righteousness. Man, I gotta, man I'm going to write a big check. Oh, my goodness, nobody's more righteous than me. Put your put pen down. Stop it. That ain't going to make you righteous. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Man, I tell you what, I go to church every day of the week. I go twice on Sundays. I don't make you righteous. Man, I read the Bible. I tell everyone about Jesus. Nobody's saying these are bad things. But they don't make you righteous. You know, the problem with Israel, as Paul sees it, and I see it the same way, they're ignorant of God's righteousness. Many are, many in America are. And they go about and they try to establish their own righteousness. But They've not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. And he gives us the answer here. Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who Believes, behaves? No, no. Again, how much money you've ever put in an offering? It hasn't moved the needle one click closer to salvation. Not one. We say, "I, you know, I don't give the church. They got plenty of money. I don't. I never. I don't give them nothing." That hasn't moved the needle one click away from. Your, your, your salvation is quite independent of your activity, as we'll see here. And I know, I know, that's kind of a hard one. We, that's a hard, but, but, it's, but it's also true. Um, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So we believe in Jesus Christ, righteous. We don't believe in Jesus Christ, unrighteous. We try to establish our own righteousness by doing a flurry of religious activity, or whatever goalposts we've set up. You know, if I treat everyone like I'd like to be treated, well, I'm a good person. Well, I don't. I respect others, or whatever you. Th- I recycle. You know, whatever you set up as the goalpost, and you do that, and you live by that. You're trying, to, you're trying to establish your own righteousness. And you haven't submitted yourself to the righteousness which is in Jesus Christ, which is the end of the law regarding righteousness to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's writing to Israelites and he says, Look at Moses described this. You guys should have this. You're your adherents. You think Moses is the big kahuna in, you know. yeah." Uh, you remember when they, you know, they're talking about Jesus? Ah, we, know where, uh, you know, Moses, we, we know where Moses, he's God's man. We don't know where this guy came from. They're followers of Moses. He says, you really follow Moses? Well, let me tell you something about what Moses said. Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. Now that's a little obscure when I say that. Moses says, you've got to do this and live. And by the way, you can't, not do every jot and tittle you can't ever mess it up even once in your life ever if you did it perfectly life if you ever didn't meet the standard of perfection you're done you're toast you you believe in Moses well Moses showed you the law and he showed you that what we've all figured out all through here ever you know, and, and we all know this intuitively. We all know this instinctively. We can't keep the law. We never have been able to. <coughs> Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. If you do it, you'll live. So there's actually two methods of salvation one is belief in Jesus Christ, one is to keep the law perfectly. I, I, I vote option one. by the time you're aware of the law, you've already broken it, okay? By the time you're old enough to understand, you already haven't lived perfectly. But the righteousness which is of faith, okay, there's a righteousness which comes by the law, and that demands perfection. But the righteousness which is of faith, the kind that we selected, because it's the only one at the end that's really available to us, the belief in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. We don't have to send somebody to heaven to get this message back to us. We don't have to send somebody down to the depths of the deep to, to, to understand what's the requirement here. You didn't. I didn't. Right? Uh, as a matter of fact, that won't work. Rich man and Lazarus, right? Father Abraham, if somebody were to return from the dead, you'd think, Mo, uh, Abraham says to the rich man in hell, you'd think, But if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if somebody rises from the dead. And Paul's saying the same thing here. Who shall descend from the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even on thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. I can't tell how many people over the years I've spoken to when they finally came to faith, I asked them about the before time. They said, oh, he's really new in my heart i did, I did. Uh, people hang on fiercely to their skepticism for different reasons, right? Some things it's, oh, I'm a rebel, you know it's I'm, you know real, it's cute, it's sexy, it's uh, we 're the ultimate rebels we're the single digit percentage in america, okay we're not the ones who go along to get along, okay just I'm just saying all right um, Jesus says that you don't believe because you prefer darkness rather than light, and unless you call Jesus lying, you very well may, but i've always known that uh people who say i i I can't believe or i are absolutely saying, I won't believe, I won't submit, I won't bend my knee. Tough words? True words. True words, what Scripture says. Moses described the righteousness which is by the law. It's in, your, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. It's the word of faith which we're, we're saying all along, Paul says. And that, that, this is it. This is it, okay? This is it. This is what I'm saying. Paul's saying, and he's quoting Moses, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See any kosher laws in there? See any Sabbath keeping in there? See any Ten Commandments in there? Do you see any lack of killing or adultery in there? Do you see going to church on Sundays in there? No, none of those things. It's not activities. It's, look, if you say, and by the way, I think confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart are the same thing. I don't think it's a two-step process. I asked Christ to come into my heart. That showed my belief, okay? Was confession a part of that? Only to anyone who had ears. It still is. I can't, you don't know me 10 minutes, but I'm talking about, God, I'm talking about. I, I'm trying to move everybody I, a little closer to God every day. And I go around. I'm trying not to be weird, and you know, you know me. Everyone knows where I stand. It makes for good gossip on the job site, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a pastor. He, you know this and this and this, and you know, people talk about it. So even a, like new guy shows up, and he already knows I'm. A Christian, and I pastor a church even before I've introduced myself. That's fine. I want it that way. Yeah, I confess uh, uh, with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Think of all the things it doesn't say. What does it doesn't say? Because I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, Paul wants everyone to know. He wants his Jewish audience to know. He wants his Roman audience to know. He wants the whole world to know. God put it in, a, in a, this document in a major tome and sent it all over the earth to every language so everyone would know, among other verses, this verse. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So someone comes up to me and says, you know, I saw a YouTube video and I believe that I'm God and, you know, I, I'm trying to find my way to Godhood. And I'm I confess, believe, Jesus Christ. What, what I, you know, why are you trying to make it so hard? Uh, so stand before God and tell him about your great, okay, you're God, right? And You're going to find, unlock the Godhood within you. It's America. You get a right to do that. Go ahead. And then stand before the real God and try to explain it to him. Yeah, I didn't accept what Jesus did on my behalf on the cross because I'm trying to be God myself. And the real God is, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, he's not impressed. He gave us a methodology. And as we try to deviate from that, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I, a one-trick pony, remember that? I, I, that's, my only, that's my only, yeah, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. Do I believe it? Oh, absolutely, with my whole heart, with my whole eternity. I've staked everything on it. I've staked my eternity on it. I've staked the eternity of my wife, of my children. Of my, I, 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 I wouldn't, if I knew this didn't equal eternity with God, what do you think I'd tell? I'd bother to tell somebody, like my wife? No, this is what the Bible says. Listen, it, it, you can't deny it because it's in your heart. And it's very plain and it's very obvious. And he's going to go on and explain. You know how it works with the heart? Man believes unto righteousness. You believe and it results in righteousness. Completely right with God. From your heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See those are, They're kind of just two sides of the same coin, if you ask me. It's not like two-part salvation. Don't think of that. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I know a lot of Christians who are trying to be like closet Christians. <laughs> what a drag, you know. I don't want anyone to know that uh, I believe in Jesus. Maybe they'll tease me. Oh, stop it, please. Jesus said, and I, to, I would just like to warn you, somebody who loves you, who's your brother, you know, if you don't confess me, before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. Because I think these things go hand in hand. I think when you love Jesus, when you're really saved, you really want everybody to know. You know what I mean? The cool kids will mock me. I'll oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? With the heart, man believes. And that results in salvation, in righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is, results in salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. I don't know if I have an easier, better verse in all of Scripture than that one. So I'm going to be eternally not shamefaced. I'm going to go before the throne of God, bold as butter, like I belong there, because I do. We can call him Father. He said so. If I came up with that, I'd almost think that would be blasphemy. Uh, He said, no, I'm Abba. Welcome. Welcome, son. Why should I let you into my heaven, he'll say. Because Jesus is my Savior. I've believed on him in my heart. And I've put all my trust, all my confidence in him. And that, according to your word, says I'm righteous. As righteous as, as Jesus is, by the way and I've confessed that over and over to many many will I be shamefaced wrong answer hell <laughs> no I won't be shamefaced the guy who's evolving to be god will he be shamefaced hey look at judge for yourself this is what scripture says I, i'm not i'm not trying to be hard guy um, okay Israel, this is what I want you to understand. Now, there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich, and all that call upon, the, all that call upon Him. So, Jewish people come a certain way, and Christians, you and I, Gentiles, none of us here Jewish, we come a different way. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. It never was. Don't you remember in chapter four he gave us examples of Abraham and David? How did they come to faith in Jesus Christ? Because if David came by the law, I've got a problem with that. Because I've always heard, I never killed anyone. I I never committed adultery. David can't say either one of those things. And yet, he was a man after God's own heart. Listen, sinner, aren't you glad about this? Because you have to believe that. You can't make up for all the evil that you've ever done. And you have to believe that's a fool's errand to even try. But why would you try to do that? Jesus Christ paid the penalty. There's no more payment to be made. Hey, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. He's the same Lord. And he's rich unto all that call upon him. You, you think you're the one, you say, Lord, save me. You say, nah, I don't think so. Nope nice try. No, he's, he's rich unto all that call upon him. I'm telling you that from, because the Bible says so, I'm telling you that from my personal testimony. Esma saved me. He said, yes. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You whosoever. We talking last week about, you know, I in, my name's not in the foundation, from the foundation of the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, stop it. We talk about, you know, God's calling an election on someone. Oh, that's not fair. He didn't call me. Stop it. Stop, stop the game. Stop it, stop it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. A 20-year-old Marine in Iwakuni, Japan, whosoever. It's a beautiful message. It really, really is. A murderer on death's row who's going to the gas chamber or the electric chair, who absolutely deserves to be there, calls upon the name of the Lord and is saved. The thief on the cross next to Jesus. That's a wonderful message. Uh, talking to Jehovah's Witness, and and I was questioning him about the grace of God and asking about these things. And well, you got to do this, and you got to do this. You got I'm, no, I'm on my way to the gas chamber. I got five minutes. What should I do? Well, you got to. And I said, I, you still don't understand. I got five minutes of life. I can't. Well, you should have thought of this a long time ago. That was the answer. Listen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, even if you only get five minutes. It doesn't take long. You don't have to even have five minutes. Jews come that way. Greeks or non-Jews, Gentiles come that way. Whosoever. Does God play favorites? He does not. He does not. How then? Well, yeah, Adam, here's what you don't understand. How shall they preach? I mean, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How can they call on a God who they don't know anything about? That makes sense, doesn't it? This portion here is about evangelism, and how we're supposed to send out people. It's not about that at all. I want you to understand something. I want you to see this in a way maybe you've never seen it before. Because we talk, we use this, and we, oh, we've got to send out, and we've got to... Well, yeah, we do, but this has nothing to do with that. This is an objection that Paul's answering in advance. So the people have, who have followed him through all this, they're, they're supposed to, well, yeah, but how can they believe on, on whom they have, how can they call on him? Because he's just said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord What if they never heard? How can they believe on him whom they have not heard? How can they call on him whom they have not believed? How can they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You ever think of that? Smarty pants? That's their objection. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Hey, you know, the problem with Israel, if somebody just get the message to them, they get on board. That's what's being proposed here. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of pre, uh, peace and bring uh, glad tidings of good things? Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. I don't think you think of feet as beautiful very often. You know, we look at people and we think, beautiful eyes. Some people have beautiful hair. You know, some people have beautiful feet. Uh, feet in taking. The message of the gospel. You remember the priest when he's uh, ordained, when he's commissioned to do the work? They take uh, the blood of the bird and they put it on his right earlobe and they put it on his right thumb and on his right great toe, his big toe of his right foot, sanctifying what he hears, what he does, and where he goes. And the same thing, then the oil is put on the same thing. It's put on his right ear. Oil, anointing, symbol of the Holy Spirit, is put on his right ear, his right thumb, and the big toe of his right foot. Again, now the Spirit of God is reigning over or, 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 or orchestrating or, or, or getting him to the place where of what he hears, of what he does, And where he goes, so it's the feet in the sense of going and bringing the gospel, and it's a beautiful thing. He don't—he's not talking about what kind of toenail polish you're wearing, okay? (coughs) Look, men's feet. If any any guy tells me they have beautiful feet, I'm thinking, yeah, you're a gospel guy. I get it, but I think guys' toes look like the Hobbit anyway. It's just not—it's not anyway. Beautiful feet in the sense of bringing the gospel. And it's a quote from Isaiah. Uh, Well, see, you know what the whole problem is? Is that Israel's never heard. That's their objection. Yeah, God's been playing like, he's been playing us a little bit. Okay, the gospel came, Jesus came, big, whoop, right around, detour around Israel, went to the Gentiles, went all everywhere. But if Israel really heard, they would embrace, you know, but they can't. How can they call on him who they haven't heard? And how can they hear on him who they haven't believed? And how can they believe unless you're a preacher? You know, what about Isaiah where he said, How beautiful is the, the feet of the you know, and so that's it. this is an objection that they're raising. Paul's gonna answer it. A supposed objection, because he, he keeps arguing. He's we use the word the devil's advocate, and you know what that means. He's being his own devil's advocate. He's Answering objections that are either have been raised or will probably be raised by any thinking person. Yeah, but this is what you've got to understand. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Hey, look, look. What do you tell me they haven't heard? Are you, are you for sure? Are you serious about this? Uh uh, okay, we told you when he was going to be born. We told you where he was going to be born. We told you uh, what his family lineage was going to be. We told you the miracles he would do. We told you the death he was going to die. We told you everything that you had to know. Does Israel know about Jesus Christ now? Do they know about that he's the son of David? Do they know about that he the, performed the miracles? Do they know about he was born in Bethlehem? Do they know about, like, the time that he was supposed to come? You remember the verses that he will come suddenly to the temple? They have to realize that he came before A.D. 60. A.D. 70, I mean, the destruction of the temple. Don't they, aren't they Don't they have access to all these verses? Yeah. Do they know in their hearts of hearts? I think so. Have they believed? By and large, not. And God, it's not with God God didn't say, uh, okay, all you Gentiles, come on, come on in, the water's fine. You choose, nope, 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 Same, same gospel. It went out. They should know. They should have known it better than any of us ever know We were, i tell you—we were—we weren't running the race. They're—they're they're really intent on winning this race. They, they're walking on We're—we're just fat, dumb, and happy, just walking through life. I don't know. I'm going to hell. I don't care. Whatever and stuff like that. And the rock that came from heaven. It, yay, a savior! Hey, that's great. We need one. We all jumped on board. They thought, eh, rock of offense. Get that out of my way. I'm earning my salvation. Not submitting themselves to the salvation that is of faith. Don't tell me they haven't heard. I know, we have, there's one guy, and I don't want to mention any names, I don't want to defame anyone. There was, we had two guides. Our guide was born again, loved Jesus, and he was a joy to be around. The other guy, one of the most knowledgeable, he could preach the gospel better than a lot of Pastors can preach the gospel and doesn't believe a word of it. Don't tell me he doesn't know. Please. This is the objection. Paul says, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Isaiah told us all about this. We should go to Isaiah, okay, because this is kind of an interesting place, right? We'll get done. We'll get done. I know you're panicking. Remain calm. Isaiah chapter 53 Who has believed our report? Listen, you know when we do, and I read this during communion sometimes, this passage. I always start in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled in me very high. Who's my servant? Well, it's Jesus Christ, of course. It's Jesus Christ, of course. The one in 53, the one whom we hid our face from, uh, that we esteemed him not, but he carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. Do you know another guy who fits that description? It's Jesus Christ. It's obviously Jesus Christ. We all know it's Jesus Christ. In 52, my servant shall deal prudently he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Praise his holy name. And many were astonished at thee. They're astonished. Why? His visage, his, his face, his form, it was so marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. King James there takes a little bit of liberty. I think they softened it so that we couldn't could, be too shocked. His face was so deformed it didn't look human is what it's saying. His form more than the sons of men so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them, they shall see. You and me, right? right like I say, fat, dumb, and happy. Walking through the world, not a care in the world, and Jesus Christ came and interrupted our eternity. Uh, uh, that which had not been told them, the, God, the Bible didn't come to them, the Gentiles, it came to Israel. First, they should be the ones who are on board the most. They should have known it. That which had not been told them, they shall see. And that which they have not heard, shall they consider. This is this is a club that I belong to, this is a club that you belong to. We never saw, we never considered, and all of a sudden we're we're in we're insiders, right? Well others are still outsiders, others who should have known better. Who has believed our report? To whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed? When I talk about the armor of the Lord, one word salvation. Or another word, Jesus. who's believed, we're telling you, and who's believed us, Isaiah says. Who is the arm, who's the salvation of God been revealed to? Well, Israel. It's not a rhetorical question. And then he goes on and talks about he shall grow up before him, before Israel as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form or comeliness that we should desire him. they should have known that he didn 't look very kingly, he didn 't look like a- sa- uh, a savior, he kind of looked like a guy, he looked like a Jewish guy. Well, that shouldn 't throw you off the scent that should if you knew this verse, you 'd say, yeah, he looks looks like one of us. that should have made you believe the more and it goes goes on and talks about all the reasons that follow that we should know that it was the Christ and look at all we like sheep have gone astray We have turned everyone to his own way Who's believed our report? We're like these mindless sheep wandering to and fro, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all Again, who's who are we talking about? Do you know another guy another Savior out there who the Lord has laid on the iniquity of you and me? Let's go back to Romans Uh, so yeah it's just a tremendous miscommunication if God sent and gave us a clear message we'd all be on board Paul that's the problem Uh, there was a a hiccup in the communications the the wires were down the lines didn't somebody got. what are you talking about Uh, faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God but I say have they not heard yes verily absolutely Isaiah said, who believed our poor? But let me tell you how it goes, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. By the way, faith still comes by hearing, and faith still comes by hearing of the word of God. Keep pouring the word of God into your life. It will grow your faith, it will increase your faith. It's where faith started, it's where faith is maintained. You've got to keep feeding your faith, keep feeding your soul the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, haven't they heard Paul says uh, yeah, the sound went to all the earth. Their words unto the end of the earth. Now he's quoting uh, Psalm, and I'll get there. Psalm 19. You don't have to turn there. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. What is that saying? Creation declares the creator. Adam, somebody's going to say, Adam. Duh. <laughs> Not so obvious to some people. It, it should be. It should be. It's written in Jewish scripture. And he's saying, you have the same advantage as the Eskimo or the aboriginal. You have the same access to the same creation. Their line, uh, the the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day out of speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun and on and on it goes. Uh, well, we never heard. That's the problem. Haven't you? But I say, have they not heard? Yea, verily, this sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. You have the same advantage as everybody else. He already pointed out, you got Isaiah. They have creation. You got creation, too. What, on what basis is Israel to say, yeah, nobody told me? You mean, you read Isaiah 53? and you didn't understand that Jesus was the Christ? Are you kidding me? By the way, why can't they say that that's about the suffering of the Jewish nation? And I say, you think so? How come you can't read it in synagogue to this very day? Oh, yeah, don't tell me you don't know. Paul says, well, in fact, you do. They're when all their words into the end of the earth. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses saith, I'm in verse 19, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Is that happening anywhere in the world? Ah, uh, everywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world. Many, many, many people worldwide are very zealous for the God of Israel. We send plane loads and bus loads over there. By the way, we weren't the only game in town. Every place we went, to every significant site, there were bus loads and bus loads of people there too. And a lot of these things have to be scheduled so that not every bus load shows up, you know, 5,000 people trying to get into one little the garden tomb or something like that. So things are scheduled. What are they seeing? Gentiles, not a drop of Jewish blood. I wasn't wearing a yarmulke. I was, and we were praising God and we were excited to be there. And we were worshiping and we were adoring the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, whom they know more about than probably many of us know about. And you don't think there was a little bit of, what's, what's up with these Gentiles, what's, hey, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. Were we no people? Oh, yeah. I ain't a tribe of nothing. I ain't a, I ain't, you, you look far back as you want. and My blood relative just it went all the way around Abraham, all the way back to Noah before me and the Jewish nation kind of converged there. And in Noah, they they are Shem, I'm probably Japheth, you know. We have to really go back before there's any commonality. Think about it. We're We're not a people. We're a foolish nation. Man, I'll be a fool for Jesus all day long, every day. And they're a little bit put off by that. God prophesied it. Isaiah is very bold. You know it says Isaiah, okay, and you're, you're, that throws your curveball. It's just the Greek version. We'd say Isaiah. Let's say Isaiah. Isaiah is, Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not in a race. I'm not running the race. I'm not... Trying to find my way to God, work furiously and try to earn my salvation. I was walking along, fat, dumb, and happy. Didn't have a concern about God or the things. I mean, I only knew there was a God, but I wasn't trying to earn myself. Well, I was. It's rel- this long look, long and short as this, God showed up and saved me. God showed up and saved me. Isaiah was very bold. He said, I was found of them and sought me not. Hello, oh, that's me. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. Thank you. But to Israel, you don't tell me, please, Paul said. I, I want Israel saved. My prayer is that they get saved. I would be damned if they would be saved. I, I am so on board with Israel. But let me tell you what it's, how it really is. Let me tell you what Scripture really says. But to Israel, he saith. Listen, I was found by people who weren't even looking at me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. We don't use the word gainsay much anymore. What does it mean? It means to say against. I say the sky is blue. You say, well, it's more green. It's uh, you know to say against. Okay, that's what it means. Is is Israel a gainsaying people? He says they are. Are they disobedient? He says they are. He says, you know what? The problem is not that you haven't heard. It's the problem is that you won't submit. I know people. I know I have friends. I have family. I have people I know and love a lot who can stand before God. And they've been disobedient and gainsaying. And he's stretching forth his hand. He's not willing that any should perish. He's giving them all the information they need. Will you and I be shame faced? Scripture saith, verse 11 Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Will that gainsaying, disobedient one, be ashamed? I'm not saying that out of hatred or spite or malice or... My heart is so right before God. I just want for you what I've, I've found myself. Holy than thou, no, 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 no. I'm a beggar who found bread, and I'm saying, hey, there's bread, they're giving out bread. Eternal life, yours, just... Go and scoop up as much as you want. He's no respecter of persons. He loves me and he hates you and he's holding you at arm's length. Please. That's not the argument for Israel. That can't be our argument either. And the shamefacedness with like standing before him without having the blood of Jesus covering all our sins. Let's stand. Let's pray. Our musicians will send us out here with song. Lord, uh, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. We thank you for our salvation. Um, we thank you that we're not a, a gainsaying and disobedient people. We weren't, we weren't actually looking. We weren't calling upon you, and you showed up, and you visited us, and you saved us. And we glory in your ridiculously wonderful name, and the salvation that's ours is beyond what we can describe you're so good you're so good to us and we thank you and we praise you now may the lord bless thee and keep thee the lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace amen